Hi, everyone, and welcome to VMware Partnership Perspectives. I'm Kathleen Tandy, Vice President of Global Partner and Alliance Marketing at VMware, and I'm pleased to bring you the stories and trends from our VMware partners, executives, and industry analysts. Today, we'll hear from Sanjay Upal, Senior Vice President and General Manager of the Services Provider and Edge Business Unit at VMware. Sanjay joined VMware following the acquisition of VeloCloud by VMware in December 2017. Together, we discussed the accelerating shift to cloud web security services and how Secure Access Service Edge, or SASE, is becoming a growing area of focus for our customers' success. Let's hear from Sanjay now. Sanjay, thank you so much for joining us today on Partnership Perspectives. Awesome. My pleasure, Kathleen. So, Sanjay, you joined VMware in 2017 through the acquisition of VeloCloud Networks, which was the leader in the fast-growing SD-WAN or software-defined wide area networking market. You were the CEO and co-founder of VeloCloud. What's your role today at VMware after that acquisition four years ago? So my role now is I started off first by just managing the same business at VMware. So I was the general manager and and vice president of the business. And then what transpired after that is that there are businesses that are akin to VeloCloud. And the VeloCloud business of SD-WAN expanded to add more services and came under the umbrella of Secure Access Services Edge. Because SD-WAN is really, you can think of it as a WAN edge. And so when you think of SASE, with the common acronym being SASE, then that's the business that I'm running now. And then very recently, just a couple of months ago, what VMware decided to do is to fold together what we were doing in the service provider side of the house, which you can think simply as all the work that's going on with 5G and everything that's about modernization of the underlying network. So when you put that modernization of the network along with SASE, which is really about monetizing services on top, That entire business unit is what I run right now, and it's called the Service Provider and Edge Business Unit. Great. That's quite a journey, and it's been interesting to see this entire market and area of the industry grow. As you said, Secure Access Service Edge, or SASE, is a growing area of focus for many of our customers. I think we've recognized that with the whole formation of this new business that you're leading for VMware. What's driving the growth of this area of interest for our customers? And what's VMware's vision for the right SASE solution to help our customers be successful? I think there's two primary things that are driving this. One is that customers no longer want to own physical products. They want things that are services and they want them to be virtual. So that is one predominant thing that is happening And when that happens and when your applications become virtual and they become services that are being provided not from your own data centers, but they're out there initially in the cloud, but much more frequently now at the edge, then the network needs to respond to it. And network and security always come together. And so when you think of your applications leaving your data center and then moving out into the edge or to the cloud, the networking needs to be at the edge and in the cloud as well. And that is the crux of what SASE is all about. It's network as a service and network security as a service coming together and being provided on a subscription basis. And so that's one predominant force that has happened. The other thing that has happened is that the networks themselves are getting modernized. 
And I spoke about 5G. There's also the fiber networks are getting modernized. And when that happens with networks, you get networking that becomes on demand. Today, you don't have networking on demand. Today, you've got to go ask for a particular type of connection, and then you've got to pay this much amount of money per month. But what if you could ask for your networking that was completely on the fly, and you could just ask for a type of connection on the fly, and you could use only as much as you wanted, and then you could give the rest of it back. And so the combination of those two applications moving as services and getting virtualized, and then the underlying network becoming on demand, both of those forces have resulted in SASE. Got it. And you were talking about also the importance of security, which, of course, as you expand the attack layer, which this also does as you expand and you have proliferation of edge computing, edge devices, security becomes even more important. I know one of the things that's differentiated VMware from our competitors is this concept of intrinsic security. How does this adopt that key principle and stay true to that intrinsic security approach? So in the backdrop of applications getting out into the cloud and into the edge and being delivered as services, the backdrop is that security is becoming much more important because the complexity and ability of the hackers to come in has really gone up by leaps and bounds. And so the architecture that is now predominating is a zero trust architecture. And that is just the technical underpinning of intrinsic security, because intrinsic really means that it's security every step of the way. You cannot have security be an afterthought. It needs to come in both at the client end, it needs to come in in the network, it needs to come in where the application is. And zero trust is the underpinning of it all. And I just like to think of zero trust in in very simple terms. I'm a Game of Thrones fan, which my son, who is a big Game of Thrones fan, has kind of got me into. And so if you think of, you know nothing, Jon Snow, that's one of the underpinnings of zero trust. You're supposed to know nothing. And then the corollary I add to it is you own nothing, Jon Snow, because in a services model, you're not expected to own anything. So when you put those two together, you really get the architecture and the framework of what we think of as zero trust. So you don't trust the person, you don't trust the device, you don't trust the network, you don't trust their credentials. You've got to check everything along the way. But once you do, then you allow them access only to a specific resource for a specific period of time based on the privilege that you've checked. Now, what that does is it puts in as many checks as you possibly can, but then even if then something bad happens, you reduce the attack surface. And you can roll back and see a lot of the attacks that have happened recently, the ones at least that we know of that are publicized, could have been either eliminated or reduced by having the zero trust model. So what we've done at VMware is everything from the endpoint, of course, we've got our end user computing business that has a lot of endpoints, starting with the endpoint, the device itself, going over the network, maybe hitting a VMware SD-WAN device, and then being put into a specific segment And then coming out on the other end, hitting a data center, whether it's in the cloud or whether it's in your private data center, and then being channeled to talk to a specific container. All of that association from an individual client to an individual container, we call client to cloud to container. And it's that association that we want to put together, which reduces the attack surface. And it's really a zero trust model. Which sounds like an ideal solution for so many customers that are dealing with the complexity and, as you mentioned, trying to manage right the increasing security breaches that people are seeing and have just been accelerated as we've all worked remotely and accelerated our digital transformation over the last year. So you bring up an important point of complexity, which is complexity 
actually is a killer when it comes to trying to be more secure. And so when you set up these associations of cloud, uh, client to cloud to container, and you have millions and tens of millions and sometimes billions of them going on on a 5G network, it's got to be done in such a way that it's very simple to manage. And it's very simple to see what is happening in the network. Because if the complexity of scale translates into overall complexity, then security is going to go down instead of going up. And so it won't solve the problem. So really, this zero trust has to go intrinsically with simplicity. Yeah. Complexity has been the hallmark of the entire security industry. And it's I've just been fascinated the entire way of how VMware has been approaching it. And this is another exciting step in our vision of how we're going to help intrinsically our customers manage this increasingly complex digital infrastructure world together. I know your team has been really busy recently with the launch of VMware Cloud Web Security, talking about security. Can you give us an overview of what you just launched We've talked a little bit about it, but why particularly today's remote working landscapes make it ideal for what VMware just announced? So in order to put this in context, what used to happen is the applications used to sit in private data centers or in a small number of cloud locations. And then what you would do is you would do as many checks as you possibly could at the endpoint, and you'd send the traffic over to that data center. And it would hit a DMZ first, and then you'd do all the checks over there. Now, those checks were done in the context of that particular enterprise. And so as the traffic went up, then the enterprise needed to buy more devices and, and, and software and licenses and keep them all updated and run them. Well, what has happened of late, and this is even prior to the pandemic, is that there was, just like applications moving to the cloud, a lot of these security functions were moving into the cloud and then being run as a multi-tenanted service. So not in the context of an individual enterprise. The pandemic just accelerated that shift and it accelerated it dramatically. What happened was overnight, if you had people in maybe 50 locations and you had 5,000 of them, they all started working from home. So your 50 locations now look like 5,000 locations. And when you do that, then you have 5,000 folks coming in trying to hit that same application, but coming in from very different contexts. And so folks had to upgrade their VPNs, had to upgrade their remote access, And a much better model is to do that as a service from a set of distributed points of presence, from a set of distributed POPs, which is what VMware has done. So we've started off with our SD-WAN points of presence, and we've grown them to add network security. And that's what CWS is. CWS simply is cloud web security. It is all the security that you may have done if you were to put it on an enterprise like URL filtering and anti-malware and sandboxing. But now you're doing it from a set of distributed POPs that is being run and managed for you and is completely secure, done in a multi-tenanted fashion, but with a management plane that is integrated in with the networking. So as an example, if you're an enterprise, let's say that you're a retailer and you have a lot of locations out there, as well as you have employees working from home, you have contact center agents, now, all of those folks can come in, whether from your retail sites or from any location, through the best network possible, through our SD-WAN. And then on an application-by-application basis, you would decide which of those applications need to have cloud web security. The application needs to pass through so that you can block the malware and you can check what is happening. And then from there on, it can go to the final destination. So it's really a services model for security done in conjunction with networking with a single pass architecture from a distributed sets of points of presence that scale both from a multi-tenanted fashion, but also from a horizontal fashion in terms of number of users, number of objects, and number of companies. 
So very exciting development in the industry, I believe. It sounds like a really breakthrough approach. Well, first of all, Sanjay, it sounds so simple. It sounds like an obvious way to approach a problem. I'm surprised someone's not doing this already. It does seem very much breakthrough. And I think it's really exciting to see VMware take the industry forward in this way. So Cloud Web Security is one other service. We started off with SD-WAN, added secure remote access, Cloud Web Security, Cloud Access Security Brokering, which is the CASB. We are following that up. We have an edge network intelligence service, which is really bringing AI into the operations world. And the important part of this from a SASE standpoint is the last two words of SASE, services edge. So it's about a set of services. It's, it's about a set of extensible services. It's not just, oh, there's one service and you add one more. You should be able to add any and all services. Those services should come from VMware, but also from third parties. And those services should be delivered not just from the cloud, but from points of presence, as well as all the way up to the customer's premise. So there's the concept of a near edge and a far edge. And so we think encompasses all of that. And those sets of services will then support the compute applications that need to run, again, all the way to the edge. So yes, it's an all-encompassing view, and it is different from a narrow view of just adding one security service to one networking service, which I think a lot of other folks have done. What implications you just mentioned now, talking about some of the third parties involved, what implications does this approach have and all of the services that we're offering in this perspective for our partners and our partner community? Where do you see this as an opportunity for them, opportunity for how they work with customers and opportunity for how they engage with VMware? I think there's been a, a fairly strong movement from the end businesses for them to consume services. And so that has an implication on the channel as well. Because a channel partner who was used to delivering more boxes now has to look at delivering services as an opportunity. One of the things that happen when you deliver services is that they become very sticky. So it's not that you, know, you, you sell a box and then you move on and you sell boxes to someone else, but you're actually setting up a relationship with that customer because you're providing a continuous service to that customer. And it could be a continuous set of services. And so it's really a retraining that is required in terms of the channel to figure out that this brings together a whole new set of opportunities. So we have seen an explosion in the interest and channel partners come and tell us that the set of services that VMware is providing, along with our programs, of course, have really made life not just simple for them, but they've also been able to then package that together for the benefit of the businesses that they serve. Now, we started with having about half of our business go through kind of a, a service provider channel, and that has expanded. And we've also expanded the definition of what it means to be a service provider. So it's not just a telecom operator. It could be a telecom operator. It could be a cable company. It could be one of these new digital services vendors. It could also include IAS providers, colo providers, managed services providers, all of them under this services umbrella. And the help that VMware provides is everything from creating the service, so we call that service creation, to landing the first customer, to publicizing it, marketing it, and then expanding that out in a set of use cases. And that entire package is our ready, set, go program. So we simply RSG for ready, set, go. And I've had partners tell me, in fact, I just had one last week, tell me that they got to their first customer in half the time than with any other vendor in this space. So that was very heartening to note. I didn't expect to hear that, but I was very pleased when I did. But it really goes to show both the power of the channel as well as the opportunity that the channel has as things move from you know, low margin box selling into much higher margin value added services selling. 
And I think it goes both ways, Sanjay, because as you talked about, as all of our customers are shifting to, as you said, they don't want to own. They want to rent, right? They want to stream. They want to shift to a be able to use and scale up, use networking on demand, use it what they want to, which is all you know we define as a subscription or a service-based way of, of selling or consuming. And we know that all of that means that's all going to be based on services and navigating that relationship with the customer to promote adoption, integration, onboard, all of that. So it's an opportunity for our partners, but it's also an opportunity for VMware to work with our partners who are really going to be all the feet on the street at working with customers and managing that relationship over time. So lots of opportunity for both VMware and our partners, particularly with with this launch. So it's going to be really exciting to see how our customers respond to this and how our partners take advantage of it to grow their business. Yeah, absolutely, Kathleen. You you hit the nail on the head. I think it's it's actually, I can't think of a more exciting time to be doing what we're doing Usually when I get up and present, people say, oh, this is the infrastructure presentation. And usually infrastructure is not all that cool, you know, not one of those cool and sexy areas, but now it is. <laughs> it's like just exploding in the growth rate and the level of excitement as these services roll out, it's palpable. It is an exciting time and only been accelerated by the last year and forcing everybody to accelerate their upgrades of their infrastructure and adopting new technologies. I'd like to shift back for a minute to your days as CEO of VeloCloud. I know you were very committed to building a very strong company culture, a very strong sense of belonging relative to VeloCloud. Shift in acquisition by VMware was a big change. And yet I know that there's been a strong, continued feeling of belonging to your teams, people who work with you and and to the business. First of all, how did you approach building the VeloCloud culture? I believe you were very intentional. It wasn't an afterthought. And how have you worked to maintain that same sense of culture as you've navigated the acquisition by VMware? Yeah, great question. I think really started off with my two co-founders and I with a blank sheet of paper and, and no money. So <laughs> we basically had nothing. And so how do you attract people when you have to be able to tell a story? And we were going after a strong existing business that was tens of billions of dollars of spend. But there was a recognition out there in the industry that that edifice was going to break. People didn't know how it was going to break, but they knew it was going to break. And we were one of those folks who was driving the battering ram into that edifice to make it break. And so my story was, well, the market is really, really large. And we know it's going to change and it's going to get disrupted. We want to be at the tip of the spear doing the disruption. But when you're going after such a large market, secrecy and stealth is not a competitive advantage. You can't be sitting and making one little widget and then popping out and saying, hey, look what I have and then getting an exit. But what is a competitive advantage? And I felt the only competitive advantage was speed. And you translate speed into if you can go and convince an enterprise that they need to shift what they're doing, then they're likely to stick with you if you do it well. But you have got to get there first. If somebody else gets there first, then they're going to go with the other folks. And so we got started about a year after one of our competitors got started, or maybe two of them. But yet we caught up. It was all because of speed. In order to get speed, you have to have a certain type of culture in order to get that speed. And that culture is all about learning fast. So the next piece that the recognition drop was, how do I set up a learning fast culture? In order to do that, we find people each of whom has an innate desire to learn new things. So when I I used to interview all the folks who came in and had to look for this, look for an innate desire to learn new things. And so I used to ask them, like, how did you get into this? 
if there was that spark of creativity or innovation, or in some sense, even a small spark of madness, you know, I would be looking for that. What is that spark that makes this person wake up? And then, so that's one ingredient. The other ingredient is that you need to connect that learning of one person with everyone else. And that's where trust comes in. And so people who learn fast and trust each other, then the whole group learns fast. And when you do that, then there is no other company, however well-funded they are, that can catch up. And that is literally what happened to us. You know, we got people who had the innate desire to learn new things. We set up an environment where people trusted each other. Like one of the things we said was, this is an irreverent environment. We don't believe in hierarchy. So, you know, you can say whatever the heck you want to say to anyone. I mean, within reason, of course. And that's why we brought up instances of things like the Big Lebowski, where it was completely an irreverent place, right? And so irreverence ruled and people could kind of speak their mind, which means that they could ask naive questions without fear that people would scorn at them. It was a no blame environment. So when you put all of that together, the trust was built and it was that trust and the ability to learn as a team and have fun in the process that was the underlying culture of VeloCloud. So it was just learn fast, trust each other, and have fun. When we got acquired by VMware, VMware has this phenomenal Epic 2 culture, which where the community comes in, where the respect comes in, where the customers are first, and it's just employee engagement. And so our little piece fit in very well with VMware's Epic 2, and it was, you can think of it as a marriage made in heaven. And we flourished over here. We've more than quadrupled the size of the team and we continue to be the leader in this space, expanding from SD-WAN to SASE. But I think the cultural element of what we did, we could not have done this without that piece. And it's, it's been phenomenal because the set of people that we still are here and we've added so many people to the team, all who are like-minded in this journey. Have you been able to stay as committed to speed as well. So I've seen the synergies that you just described between the, a bit of a reverence, right, between the VMware culture and the VeloCloud culture, and absolutely the hunger to learn, to progress, to move forward as well. But I have to admit, VMware, bigger company, more kind of overhead. I must imagine that there are times you haven't been able to be quite as fast within VMware as VeloCloud. How have you helped maintain people's kind of spirits or as a leader, help them navigate some of that as you're dealing with a bigger company with a little bit more bureaucracy. That's absolutely true. It's a set of processes that sometimes you feel, oh my God, how can this be? This is too slow. We've done a few things to accommodate for that. As an example, my team set up what we call a a super award, which is S-O-U-P-E-R. It stands for sense of urgency person. So at every all hands, and we have an all hands meeting every week, we will just give out these awards. Now, the award itself is pretty small. It's like a $20 Pete's coupon. But we call out anyone that has shown a sense of urgency. It doesn't matter which discipline. It doesn't matter which person. We'll just call them out and, and anyone can nominate anyone else. And so people will nominate peers. They'll nominate teams from other places. And then we call them and we say, you've exhibited a sense of urgency. So you are a super. And then we give these awards out. And so that has brought in within the culture, the feeling that if there's something that you can finish today, get it done today. Don't procrastinate and leave it until tomorrow. And that I think is a critical element as we take on, even as VMware. VMware is also taking on some very large players out there, both sometimes as competitors, sometimes as partners, but the sense of urgency can set us apart. I love that approach. I think that anyone can quickly adopt And it's all of those thousand instances of urgency 
or a sense of urgency and acting on it, which can lift the whole organization, even one as big as VMware or bigger companies as well, and get us all to move faster, which absolutely there is. You know, VMware, we have a lot of very big ambitions to move fast, to innovate fast, to shift to a SaaS business model. There's a lot of sense of urgency. And I think that's a great way to help activate all those sparks and get everybody kind of moving in concert together. We talked a little bit about how the effects of the last year accelerated digital transformation and our customers shift to their infrastructures. From a leadership and management standpoint, too, it challenged all of us as leaders. And I'm curious, especially given the fact that we've just heard how important a learning culture is to you, a trust culture, right, to be able to be able to innovate fast and, and drive at speed. How are you challenged over the last year, now year and a half, moving into a year and a half with the aspects of the pandemic, shifting all remotely, not able to be together to be able to do that. How did that challenge those key elements of culture, which are so important? And how did you navigate through that? And maybe how did you learn and grow as a leader? I think it's it's been pretty tough because in a place where people used to be very connected and we had a completely open layout when we came in, uh, you know, Pat said, you can choose what layout you want. And I chose a layout which was completely open. So everybody could kind of see everyone. You just had to simply walk around VeloCloud Hilltop F to get a sense for what was happening. Now, when we had to all disperse and go into our homes, which was replaced by a bunch of Zoom and Teams calls, it actually became very difficult to do that. So I think in response, we just had to amp up our communication, just to more frequent communication and not just on Zoom. So one-on-one calls were quite frequent and then try to do things that are not just simply work-related. The Slack channels on what are you watching? So what is Velo watching? And so what kind of serials are people watching? Then food became really important. Like people would be sharing, here's what we're cooking. And I've always believed that food is an element that ties everybody together. And so we tried to really share that as well. In fact, we had one event where we sent ingredients to everybody's, not everyone, but, you know, my my staff's homes and people were making something and then showing what they had made and sharing with one another. And then we kind of tried to encourage folks to do that in their own homes and whoever they were with as well. Because when you're working from home, you're not just doing it in the context of your business. You're actually in the context of your home as well. And there's other people in the home. And if you're happy in that location, then you're likely to be happy at work. And so we try to see how we could encourage people to do more things outside of their regular work. You know, what are people reading? What are they watching? What are they cooking? All of those became very important aspects. And we try to keep people together in doing that and celebrate some of the differences. Initially, I started off by having, when it was allowed, I started off by having some of my staff meetings outside in my backyard, you know, socially distant, and people would show up with their masks and six feet from one another. But even that,